Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Morning everyone and welcome to, to Naples. Um, I hate to say it, but it's another gorgeous sunny day, although it's absolutely freezing here. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And again, a very good morning to you all. Um, oops. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you now. I haven't finished the show yet. I'm just about to get started. I am extremely sorry. I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> um, Apologise profusely. Let's start again. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the morning break. This morning, I have um, a, a fantastic guest joining me. Um, some of you probably already know her because she's very popular on social media. I'm talking to, to Lottie Galpin, who is an editor, a writer, and a consultant who specializes in inclusive materials. Um, she began her teaching career as well, she, she began her career as a teacher and had 12 amazing years teaching and learning um, in various parts of the world. I'm just going to see if, if this is her and invite her to join me. Um, in the meantime, I'm sure a lot of you, have some questions for Lottie because obviously um, DEI, diversity, equality and inclusion are very, very important topics and we need to, um, we need to constantly learn and develop in this area. And Lottie is one of those people who can definitely help us. So if you do have any questions for Lottie, please feel free to, to join, join the show live or to, um, to send us messages in the chat. Um, I can see that there is someone here and I'm sure it's her. Okay, Lottie, are you there? Um, let me just see where she is. Okay, she's still trying to join. So as I said, if you've got any questions for her when she's here, um, she will <laughs> be delighted to talk about them. A question for you as listeners, what do you do in class to encourage inclusion? Good morning, Catherine. Nice to see you. I'm just waiting for my for my guest to come through. I'm sure she'll be here in just a sec. <laughs> okay. Um, Catherine. Hi, hi, how are you? Do you want to um to come in and say hello, Kath? Okay, so moving on. Again, if you do have any questions, some of the things that I'm, I am obviously not an expert in um, DEI, but I have in the past worked with, with my, um, with my students on, on quite a few things. I can't seem to see my speakers. 
difference. Um, Tom, can you help me? <laughs> I've sent, right. Okay, so I was actually going to blog about this later in the week um, to obviously help teachers that I work with. Um, but a lot of, um, as, I, as, I, as I stress, I am not an expert. But um, I have done quite a lot of work reworking materials, and that's why I'm really to speaking to Lottie because that is her her thing. Let me just see where she is. I've just refreshed my browser. Um, okay, reworking materials. There are lots of little things. Sorry about this. I'm typing and writing at the same time. Okay. Let me try again. Hello, <laughs> Lottie, I've connected, I think, I think I've got her. Have you got your microphone muted by chance? We've connected. Um, wow, this has never happened. <laughs> Anyway, um, a really, a really simple thing that I've learned sort of through studying a bit, particularly working with dyslexic learners, um, something that we, I mean, gap fills. We we all use gap fills when we when we teach, and one thing I learned quite recently was where I should put, where I need to put the um, the word that. Oh, here she comes. <laughs> oh, can you hear me? I can. Hooray! Oh, Hooray! And at least you didn't catch the tail end of me swearing to myself as I tried to <laughs> work out how to get on here. Don't worry. I, Wait, I think the same thing happened to me. Um, I think you need to mute Zoom. Um, can you hear me? Yeah, 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 I can hear you. Oh, good, great. Yeah, and I can hear you perfectly. Okay. You. Um, <laughs> but we haven't had any questions as yet, so that's good. I didn't have to answer them. Um, I did introduce you, but I'd, I'd just like to introduce you again. So for the, those of you who have just joined the show, I apologise for the initial five minutes of, of faffing. Which um, was totally my fault. No, it, it was it was mine as well. Um, I think it was me needing to refresh my browser. Anyway, you're here now and that is the most important thing. <laughs> Welcome, Lottie. Thank um, you. Lottie Gelfin is an ELT editor, writer and consultant who specialises in inclusive materials. I was just mentioning um, something that I learned quite recently. Um, gap fields, which are quite simple, I know we don't want a lot of them in our in our work, but um, certainly in ELT we do use them a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, where we position, for example, if we're transforming verbs, where we actually position the item that they need to transform, um, we, as course books and textbooks generally tell us to to put that item at the end of the sentence or after the space where they need to fill it. Mm -hmm. But actually, it's much more beneficial to learners to have it before the space so yeah. that they can see it in the flow of work. And I think that's one of the great things about, um, it's not obviously COVID isn't great, but having to move a lot of our work onto Google Documents, I found with, with some of my students, I was changing the position and I did have, I do have a couple of um, dyslexic students in at my university and um, they mentioned that they noticed the difference it was easier for them just by changing the position of the item 
anyway, that's just that was just to fill time. <laughs> it's, no, a, it's, it's, hmm. it's a really good point, and I think, and you've worked on um, dyslexia-friendly materials as well. I know, hmm. and I think, and it's something I've done quite a bit in the past. And what I found is that those kind of rules you use for adapting. Um, for dyslexic students actually make loads of sense for all students you know the kind of simpler rubrics and not overly complicated exercises where they're doing sort of two things in one rubric mm -hmm. it all just makes you know great sense all around yeah no, it does it makes it easier for for everyone it's also thinking logically about how we how we read but then I think with ELT we have been I mean materials development and we will talk about this a bit later um you know you you can you can probably help loads of people just with a few great tips um bef uh, i've lost my thought on materials i think i think traditionally um we've had a sort of format that we've always worked to and we haven't questioned it up until now yeah. so it's it's good to see that that things are changing Mm. Lottie, yeah. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, welcome. Thank you for having me. Really happy to be here. Tell me a little bit about your your journey because you started out as an ALT teacher, and I think you're probably one of the first teachers that I've met that has has we've, we haven't ever worked in the same countries, which I find fascinating. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Where did you work? I've done. I've worked in Italy and Hong Kong. They're my. Okay. <laughs> they're my two. They're two um, places I'd love to have worked, or I'd love to spend time, you know, hmm. working. But yeah, no, I've I sort of, I actually had to to look back at my CV yesterday I, to remind myself where where I'd been. Mm -hmm. um, so, so I kind of I started out with uh, with actually a really cushy job for a first teacher. Uh, you know, first time teacher, which was going into Austrian state schools for a week or two weeks and doing these, um, they were essentially kind of fluency focused courses. And so you do in the morning, doing a bit of grammar, a bit of vocab, a bit of conversation. And then in the afternoon, we do project work. And quite often at the end of the week, there'd be some kind of concert with the, the you know, with the work that come out of the projects. Um, and I got to travel around Austria and stay in hotels for the first time in my life. Oh my so goodness! I was just like, Whoa. you know, coming out of university, having been a, a broke student, to so suddenly having money in my pocket and staying in hotels and traveling around and meeting all these great people. It was just, you know, it was the best first job ever. I think. Fantastic! Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> no, most people, at, most most people, at, sort of get start off in a cowboy outfit, and <laughs> you know, I think. What have I done? <laughs> I don't think I ever had that. I've been pretty lucky with the places I worked. I went, shall I keep going with keep my... Keep going, yeah, do, please. So, yeah, so after Austria, I um, I came back to the UK and then I went to Taiwan and I was there for 18 months. Um, so I taught young learners initially and, and working for Shane English mm -hmm. schools, who I think probably an awful lot of people started out working for. Um, and then I worked for Geos for a little while, and then I came back to the UK and did some summer schools, and then I went to Shanghai for a year. Oh, I've been and to I Shanghai. I haven't taught in Shanghai, but I've been there. My sister lived there for about five years. Oh, when did you go? Um, oh, gosh, how old is my niece? She's She must be eight, nine now, <laughs> so, when she was born. Okay, yeah. so I would have been there ow maybe 12 years ago probably yeah. more than that mm -hmm. more than that and i imagine it's changed enormously because it was you know it was changing so quickly at the time um but yeah no an amazing city so i was there for a year and then i came back um and then i tried journalism for a bit so i trained as a journalist and i did that for a little bit um but i lacked i think the the cutthroat ambition to get ahead in journalism it just it just wasn't in me <laughs> Um, so I went back to, to teaching and I was in London for a couple of years, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I went out to Spain for three years, for, to Barcelona, um, teaching mostly in-house business classes. And while I was there, I did some materials development for the company. Mm -hmm. And I'd always like, I've always enjoyed making materials, my own things and, you know, like, you know, 
zhuzhing up the book and that kind of thing. So um, I, I thought, oh, this is what I want to do. So when I came back to the UK, I was doing um, uh, pre-sessional IELTS and um, sort of applying for jobs with publishers. And I got one with OUP. Mm-hmm. And so I was there editing for um, not a huge amount of time, about 18 months. And then I went freelance and I've been doing that ever since. So I started off um, doing, you know, like teach, uh, teacher's books and teacher's resource books and workbooks. And then I started doing some student books and I did a bit of project management. Um, and then uh, a few years ago, I was working for a, a very large school that, ha- that were really hot on the diversity and inclusion policy. And I thought, I, you know, and I just, it was like a revelation to me. It just seemed mm. so, just suddenly so important and the thing I really wanted to do. And so gradually over the last few years, I've been kind of building up my knowledge of that and starting to move more directly into diversity and inclusion work. And thanks to that, you've become um, a, a bit of an, an expert in, in, in I mean, you, an interest and in something that kind of, has opened your eyes to how we we should be creating mm. materials has mm. basically mm. gone you, you've gone on to do an awful lot with with DEI mm. do you want to just tell us yeah yeah so I mean I think um so it's been I've, my interest has sort of been over say the last I'd say three or four years and so what I was doing initially was kind of building my knowledge and trying to implement you know what I was learning in the materials I was editing or writing um, and slowly but surely I started doing sort of building that up into bits of consultancy so Mm -hmm. it would be for example helping um, publishers with their guidelines or helping with bits of training Um, also um, purely DEI focused projects which are things like um, it's kind of it's kind of like a, a DEI cold read essentially. So if you're a teacher and you're not sure what a cold read is, it's a publishing term that means you you get um, a book towards the end of the proof stage process and you go through it and look for every possible thing that might feasibly be wrong. Um, so it's essentially a DEI cold read. You you take a book and you go through and you look at anything potentially offensive, um, anything that needs to be changed, anything that's missing. Um, you know, any missing representation that's there. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I've been starting to do that, and it's really interesting. It's interesting that you, you mentioned the word offensive because that can vary so much. Mm. Um, what's, do you have a, a criteria, or does the criteria come from the publisher, the writer? Um, I think I have I think I have my own criteria, Um but it depends on the project I'm working on. So mm-hmm. I, I have things that I personally would like to see, but I'm also mindful, you know, if I'm working for a publisher, they have um, a very clear market and there are some things that just um, won't work in that market for whatever reason. Um, so in that case, I would kind of work to their criteria, but bring in what I've what I know and see where those boundaries can move a little bit because sometimes mm-hmm. I think, that's a conversation worth having. You know, the publisher might have a line and it's worth saying, well, could we push this one a little bit? Could we do this? You know, make it a bit more inclusive. So it depends on the context, I think. How do they respond <laughs> to that? Sorry? And how do they respond when you ask, um, ask um, them to? It depends. I mean, generally, generally people, I think, um, are really keen to be more inclusive but um, I think they're mindful that it requires maybe a slightly new process and I think with publishing the, the schedules tend to be a bit hectic um, and so finding a way to adjust a process um, the process of researching and checking something is accurate mm-hmm. is quite hard when a project's already up and running so I think there's definitely positivity um, and What's the word I'm looking for? Like a willingness to be open about it. But I think that there are a practical limitations sometimes that make that difficult. Mm. And, and perhaps cultural as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Lottie, I mean, as, as teachers, we can create our own materials for the context that we're working in. Are there, have you got 
any suggestions for us to make our work more inclusive? Hmm. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think teachers kind of do this anyway, naturally, that they, they will take, <coughs> excuse me, they'll take the materials and um, try and adapt them so that they fit the students. Um, you know, if there's a, a text that doesn't quite, or a topic that doesn't quite chime, teachers will try and find a way of making it relevant to their students by maybe comparing it to something local um, or um, adjusting maybe the photos or names or things like that in the in a in an exercise so I think photos are a great place to start um, mm. quite often and I think this is partially the fault well I don't want to assign blame but it's partially to do with photo libraries that it's very hard to find glossy attractive diverse photos in in photo libraries um, or in some photo libraries so um, I think just adjusting the photos that you've got in an exercise can make a real difference so if, say, you have, I mean, a really simple example, if you have a set of um, vocab items that are illustrated with photos of people, I don't know, if it's um, jobs around the house and it's a yeah. woman always doing the ironing, yeah. mix it up a bit and, and make it a man. Or, you know, if it's sports... Or, and, in um, my case, make it the kids because they yeah, should be doing it, yeah, not yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, just that kind of challenging those stereotypes a bit with photos and... You know the, the the genders of children doing sports and that kind of thing. Um, changing names is um, a good idea. So using names uh, that are relevant to the country that you're working in, or mm. you know the, the makeup of your class as well. Because if you're say teaching in the UK, you might have students from many different countries. So um, so it's not all Jane, Peter, you know. Yeah. John and Henry. Um, uh, what else? Also, I think just going outside the book. So, charity, quite a lot of charities will have um, resources um, for, for, for teachers that look at areas like disability or race and ethnicity. Um, so, just going straight to those charities and seeing what kind of, what kind of, what kind of resources they've got. Um, Twinkle's also very good for this. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> I believe Miranda's joining Harry in a couple of weeks' time. And, okay, cool. Um, and so, and yeah. there are also um, some brilliant people creating their own um, diverse and inclusive materials. Uh, Silvana Maschiti. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Um, <laughs> that's always that's something that that, that I get really um, I mean you know because, um, but it, it is pronouncing surnames and names um, and I don't want to make a mistake but um, sometimes it happens and I do wonder you know how that must feel for the students that can see the mistake um, mm. all we can do I suppose is apologize um, yeah well I think checking the prawns really good mm. uh, people's names is always good and something I should have done before I come <laughs> um, <laughs> don't don't apologize also Peter Fulliger is also producing some good stuff um some good, good inclusive materials you can find on his website I like I liked his challenging um what was, it, what was the book taboo taboos um, and issues. Yeah. issues which I remember like 20 years ago in the mm. staff room. I like his reworking of some of the activities. I yeah, think. no, they were great, weren't they? they yeah. Were great. I think he's continuing to roll them out as well. So. He is. He most definitely is. Oh, and um, of course, um, Raise Up, if anyone out there hasn't heard of that project. Um, so it's an inclusive textbook. Um, and I think it's got two or three different levels now, but that's a great resource to mm. use in the classroom. And I think to take that and kind of use it as a model for your own, the own, your, the, the materials you produce yourself. Um, but also kind of challenging the textbook as well, I think, mm -hmm. you know, asking students to, to really look at what's there and why it's there. Um, why, is, why is this particular text being chosen? Why is um, it always, it always is a bit of a, an assumption, but why is it typically, why are countries typically shown through the perspective of a white gaze. Um, how is this country represented throughout the book? Um, mm. I suppose. Does a book 
perpetuate any kind of stereotypes about gender or race. Um, that can be quite an interesting activity. Great. Thank you. Does <laughs> Thank that you. sound doable? No, no, that does sound that sounds very doable. Um, I think if if anyone has um, would like to comment or add a question, I think that's that's great advice for us. Um, in terms of training, um, I know you do you do quite a lot of work mm -hmm. in training, um, and I just wondered if you were to to choose um, key areas for teachers, um, where do you see the gap in terms of training for DEI? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I was having this conversation with somebody the other day, and I think. Um, I think it depends on the school and depends on the country, but I think definitely there seems to be a gap in terms of um, special or additional educational needs and things like neurodiversity and how to adjust materials um, to, <clears throat> and you know, your classrooms and your classroom practices to accommodate and support students with um, additional needs. I think that's specifically an area that would be really helpful on a practical everyday basis for teachers yeah, to identify students that they could help and support better and know how to do that mm. um, i think that's and actually um are we allowed to are we allowed to plug other people's things are we allowed to advertise <laughs> subtly <laughs> yes okay. but um i know right, well i'll plug i'll plug um i'll plug a free thing um future learn have some great free courses um mm. Uh, on there's a really good one on dyslexia and in, and language learning and some good ones on autism things like that so yeah and trauma in the classroom as well I've just done one on um, mental health in the curriculum which is really interesting one of my you're, areas of interest yeah you're quite passionate about mental yeah, health yeah yeah, yeah. You, you want to tell us a bit more about that um well I I have my own um, mental health um, I don't like the word problems, but I've had sort of ment uh, mental health issues for, for as long as I can remember. So I have OCD myself and didn't realise I had OCD until about 15 years ago when a teacher pointed it out to me that something I was doing mm. um, was kind of quite typical of OCD behaviour. And he lent me a couple of books and I read them and I thought, hello, <laughs> <laughs> hello, this explains a lot. So um, I think there must be you know so many people out there like me who don't quite potentially don't understand their own behaviors and i mm. think through through representing that in materials we can um uh help students to to see themselves and potentially um improve their lives by understanding their mental health but also um within life we're going to come across people who experience mental health challenges and to know how to to handle that and to deal with that when it when you meet someone who's um who needs support i think is really really a useful skill as much as you know learning um definitely. first aid is you know definitely and i think i mean there are a lot of you, know, you, you never know what's going on in other people's lives it, mm. it may be something temporary it may be something um more long term I think we, we we're all we're all going through this life, and mm. the the most important thing is to be supportive and kind, mm. and um, yeah. But learning actually having the tools to spot and support mm. are um, are wonderful. Yeah. I mean, one of my best students last year, he he found out he was dyslexic at I think he was. When he'd finished his first degree, he went on to he was doing the master's program with me, and he was diagnosed at the end of his degree. Mm. And he just he said, "I, did, I didn't realize, but when when I was diagnosed, mm. it explained everything." I mean, mm. He he worked really hard, and I, I think dyslexic learners do work harder mm. than most. But um, he, he it, it really did help him. Yeah, discovering oh, yeah, <laughs> what had happened to him. Yeah, I think a diagnosis can, you know, it's, it's kind of um, it can be a mixed thing for people. You know, mm. um, I think in some some people don't like a, a label. Um, mm. 
but on the other hand i think it can be really really helpful that kind of light bulb moment of realizing what's going on with you um and certainly i think you know that that student probably had developed you know he, he managed to get that far because he developed his own sort of coping mechanisms but i'm sure once were kind of resources um supplied to him so that he could be better supported yes. after that and did they yeah. make it sense? Yeah, I mean, there's a department that, that gives you advice and, and, and supports the teacher and, and um, helps us to help them. So um, I, am, I, I, am, I am very lucky to, to work where I do. Mm, Lottie, yeah. we're going to just take a quick break for the news. Okay. Ooh. And um, I will be back with some more questions for you. Okay, hooray. <laughs> um, see you in just a minute. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cat. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Prime Minister announced last week that pupils in England no longer needed to wear face coverings in class. And this rule is to be extended to cover school communal areas next week. Boris Johnson is now urging all teachers to follow the rules after some resistance. A spokesman for the Prime Minister said, children have been one of the hardest hit as a result of the disruption throughout the pandemic. And Mr Johnson believes it is vital that children are receiving face-to-face -face education and can enjoy a normal experience in the classroom. We've been clear that we removed the requirements for face masks to be worn in classrooms, and we will remove advice for face masks to be worn in communal areas from January the 27th. The Prime Minister thinks schools should follow the latest guidelines. Thank you.
pupils who attend John Fletcher of Maidley Primary School in Telford have taken part in activities which are aimed at helping pupils understand about saving energy and reducing their carbon footprint. The activities were coordinated by Telford and Recon Council and March's Energy Agency. Councillor Richard Overton said, Improving energy efficiency is extremely important for households across the borough and can help to lower utility bills, create jobs and stabilise gas and electricity prices. Parent Mrs Pemberton said, We immediately noticed the impact of this session. Conversations at home as a consequence of this presentation have suggested we turn the heating down and wear jumpers and asking whether we really need the lights on and switching these off. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your class's whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, and we are back. Um, Lottie, I hope you're still with me. Um, I'm still as here. I said, <laughs> great. As I said, if you do have any questions for Lottie, um, feel free to join the show or to write them in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Lottie, you um, you also have um, your own group. Um, do you want to tell? Tell our listeners a little bit about your group and what happens in it. Okay. Um, well, the idea with the Facebook group is, so it's called Reflecting Reality. And the idea with the group is just that now that diversity and inclusion is becoming um, something um, that's part of the everyday conversation, that I think teachers and people working in, in publishing want to give themselves a little bit of kind of informal training and also a place to work out what's right and wrong and just to ask those kind of those silly questions you're not quite sure about so the idea is the Facebook great group provides a place to do that Um, and at the moment we're uh, sort of once a week I'll post some useful links I find in the group Um, we also have group speakers and share events and tips all related to diversity and inclusion. So um, this last month, January, we've been talking 
more generally um, about the topic of diversity and inclusion in materials. And next month, we'll be looking at um, things like accessibility, um, which we've been talking about in terms of, um, you know, diversity and inclusion and um, dyslexia, things like colour, vision um, mm. difference, um, and also looking at things like neurodiversity um, and just sharing some information and knowledge about that because I think that the fact is that there's already so many people out there with bits of knowledge and if you bring that knowledge together then we're all we're all learning for free. It's interesting that you mentioned neurodiversity I, think, I believe you did um, a very interesting course on I did. neurodiversity. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, that was Am I allowed to say where where the, yeah. the originator? Yeah, so that's um, one of <laughs> Anne Margaret's ELT Well courses um, on understanding neurodiversity. It's the name of the course, and yeah, no, it's brilliant because I think, like you, I'd sort of done work on dyslexia, and I was starting to get understanding of um, other types of neurodiversity, um, and this course just really fills in all the blanks mm -hmm. um, so you learn about a range of different um, neurodiversities and how they intersect how they cross over um, <clears throat> and where the differences are um, really wonderful practical course um, I think for teachers and for materials writers or editors I, will have, I think I'll have to wait for the next cohort because I <laughs> yeah, don't think I have time at the moment but I have um, and it's I think I remember earlier in the year, everyone was sort of posting that, what they were going to do for their continuing professional development. Yeah. And that is on my list of things to do. Um, I did a few modules with Dyslexia Action in the UK, and I mm. found that really, um, I haven't finished, because I, I think to, to go on mm. um, and, and assess, you need to do several modules and then um, other further study. I kind of just stopped. <laughs> I don't know. It just, um, I think family and life just got yeah. in the way um, as it does. But when I was doing it, it was really, really motivating. It obviously helps me now with some of my learners, but not all of them. Mm. That's the thing about CPD, I think. I mean, it's so fun and so interesting when you're doing it, but it's also an added pressure when you've got, you know, life and work and it's sort of chiseling out that time to really be able to commit to it is quite a challenge, isn't it? How yeah. do you how do you manage? <laughs> Sometimes I don't, but <laughs> I mean at the I mean I am doing um, I'm doing a course at the moment and it's on a Sunday, which does kind of um, disrupt my weekend. Fortunately, I finish at about the time my, my eldest son is waking up. Sometimes he's still asleep as lunch is being put on the table, but he's a teen and it's his only day that he can really sleep in. So, um, but it does mean that my little one doesn't get out in the morning with me on a Sunday. We do, we do it in the afternoon, um, yeah. take the dogs out. Um, but um, it's a trade-off. It? There yeah. it is. It's really motivating, and I think you know mm. um, we do always keep. We, we need to keep learning. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely. only. It's only. Um, I think it's eight weeks. So. Yeah. And it's cold, so it's not like we're um, we're missing out on days on the beach. Mm. When the sun comes out, we can get back mm. back to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's sort of you know three less hour three less hours. Is that English? Mm. Three fewer hours um, of TV a week and three more hours doing something else. It's quite, it's, it's not impossible to find once you sort of really look for it. No, no I think, I think it, and it, it's important to, to keep. Um, it's also for, I mean, for me, with everything sort of moving online, it is actually um, a way to socialise. Yeah. That's true, yeah. I think when you, especially, um, I mean, if you're, if you know if you work in publishing as a freelancer and you don't have that interaction that maybe teachers get that those kind of cpd opportunities are, are really nice for connecting and networking and meeting mm -hmm. people with um similar interests how did you find the shift from moving from being an in-house editor to a freelance editor how do you find freelance life um I, I think I'm much better off as a freelancer than um, I am as an in-house person. Um, I, I quite like my freedom. Um, 
I quite like the freedom of sort of being able to start when I want and finish when I want. Although it never works out like that, and effectively I am at my desk from nine to five. <laughs> it's just there's something about the freedom that appeals to me. Um, that you don't have to. For example, I've, I've said, okay, I'm, I'm doing stuff on Sunday, so mm. I'm going to take Tuesday morning off and just mm. do stuff for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, or prioritising things that are important. You know, if you're, there's a family issue and you need to take that time, you can. Mm. Um, you can shift things about. And also I think I quite like the variety um, that you get when you're, when you're in-house. You might be, say, on the same project for sort of two years. And you can do that as a freelancer, um, but you, there's also quite a lot of variety of different projects. You can do bits of writing and editing and consultancy. So I think that keeps it fresh and interesting. And it also means you're always learning. Um, mm. I was actually thinking about this yesterday, that reflecting on teaching. And one of the things about teaching is you walk out of every class having learned something. Mm. Um, and it's, it's a mental note, mustn't do that again, or that worked really well, must do that again. Um, and I think that variety in editing does a similar, or you know, publishing does a similar thing. You sort of do something new and you go, ah, oh, okay, must remember this, don't do that again. So I think that kind of constant learning appeals to me, you know, with the variety. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I mean, I was, I was, I'm working on a, on a project which has slowed a little bit but the um, the things that I've learned now about um, about design of materials, I mean, we're not just now we're not just looking at, at how it's going to look in the course book. You've also got to think about how it's going to be projected on the interactive whiteboard, and that mm. changes the colours that you choose. But then you also need to be inclusive and make sure that everybody can see the colours and recognise. Mm. And there, there is just so I mean, li listening to the design team talking about. Oh, giving their feedback on um, on proofs was just yes. extraordinary. They just, mm. they can they can see things that, that we can't. Um. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, and always, you know, if you're, if you're working on lots of different things, you meet lots of different people and you learn from them as well, you know, mm. and you sort of go, ah, oh, yeah, uh, I can try that trick I learned from so-and-so three years ago to fix this thing here. Mm. Um, <laughs> But I think especially with primary, that design is so important, isn't it? Um, it is. And the use of colour in terms of accessibility. Yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of, I mean, there isn't a lot of writing. <laughs> in, mm. um, certainly in Italy, primary course books have very, mm. the first couple, first two mm. levels have very little, we've got very, very limited syllabus as well. So mm. um, they're all considerations. Mm. What do you prefer? I mean, doing so many different things. What What's the thing that you're really, really passionate about? Oh, 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 good question. I like. I I am most. Every time I do something, I go, "Oh, I really enjoy this. Why don't I do it more?" Um, but the thing that really <laughs> fires me up um, is uh, is the DEI stuff. I think um, I like. And I like sharing that. Um, I think I'm getting back into teacher mode. For a long time, um, you know, I'd gone away from teaching and I kind of put that part of me to bed. But actually now I feel like I've got some information that's worth sharing. I, I feel like I'm going back into teacher mode and doing bits of training has kind of reawakened that that kind of part of me. And, and so I really enjoy sharing the information and seeing the message being passed on. Mm. And it's, I mean, they're, they're good, they're great messages to pass on. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think once you are a teacher, you're probably always, you're always going to have a little, I, I don't, I know many, many people who've kind of moved on to, um, to sort of management positions. And a lot of the time I'm sad because they were such good teachers and, um, the, you know, if they could sort of just stay and do that. Mm. <laughs> I know I know we all have lives and we need to progress and we need to move up, but mm. um, in a lot of cases it's a real shame that, that people move out of um, move out of teaching. I think mm. I had a very wise um, director several years ago and she insisted on teaching a class just so that she would continue to have a relationship with 
her customers, her learners. Um, she, she occasionally couldn't do her lessons and she was covered, but she did have a class and, and, um, and found that really useful. I mean, she was, she was really good because she really understood us as teachers mm. <laughs> and having, having a boss who does, who thinks like that is, um, yeah, is rare. Mm. But, yeah, no, it's, it's something I've been considering. I'm not, I'm extremely nervous about the idea of going back into the classroom. Um, <laughs> After you saw I've spoken, mine. <laughs> I've spoken to more than one person who's who, an ex-teacher who's now in publishing, and it's not uncommon to have anxiety dreams where you're teaching a first class and you're completely unprepared. Um, but, yeah, no, I'd love to do a little bit of teaching again. It's just um, getting over that initial... Um, initial I suppose fear of being back in the classroom and, and the fact that the technology has moved on so much um. I think um, it doesn't take long to learn mm. I mean there are plenty of mm. tech tips on on teachers talk radio if you need them I yeah no I was listening <laughs> intently going oh that sounds like a good thing I must write that down. <laughs> um, but every time I see something I'm like oh okay then I'm going to have a little google and oh that's really cool I imagine that would be amazing in class um but yeah, there's so much out there now, isn't there, to to make this classes more interesting and yeah. Yeah, I think it's all it's definitely changing, and that's another thing to think about for for materials, writing, mm. and the future of course books. Mm. Mm. Yeah. There will, I mean, I, there are lots of good things that I hope we will keep. You also do work outside ELT. Ah, yes. a little bit about that <laughs> that's that's new so um i've started um i think across the board publishers are, are kind of you know within education are realizing that um uh, diversity and inclusion is something that they need to think about so i have been involved in reviewing educational texts that aren't connected um with elt applying you know similar principles um and that's been really refreshing you know to get a a different perspective on education and mm. to see how it works in other places yeah definitely brilliant. interesting <laughs> absolutely brilliant mm. <laughs> okay i'm going to ask you um mm -hmm. a question i think i know what the answer is mm. so if you could be an animal okay which animal would you be oh god well, my immediate, you should say what you immediately think, don't you? That's so I right, would say yeah. lion, oh. but I can't tell you why. <laughs> That's okay. I'm quite surprised because I was, I was when I was mm -hmm. sort of jotting down some questions, I was actually going to ask you, because I know you and I are both dog people, oh. um, I was actually going to ask you, if you were a dog, what oh. kind of dog would you be? Ah, that's a that's a good question. Actually, a dog is a good one because dogs have pretty nice lives, don't they? Or maybe um, maybe a cat. I think I would be. I think I would be a collie. Like you know, we've got two collies, so I think I'd probably be a collie because you know they're lovely dogs and they're really bright and bouncy and fun and full of beans. <laughs> yeah. What would you be? Um, well, I, I, don't, I think I'd like to be a Labrador, um, mm. but. Um, I really don't know. No, I think I'd stick with a Labrador. I've got a sort of, but no, actually, probably a Muttley. I mean, if I think about myself, I am a bit of everything. Yeah. Sort of on on mum's side, they are Irish and English, yeah. and on dad's side, they're Danish and German. So I am a Muttley. So I suppose I just yeah. should be a Muttley. <laughs> well, that's probably a better fit for me as well because I'm a I'm a bit of a, a random mix as well. Um, but yeah, I quite like the idea of a. Of border college just because i know them yeah no and they're they're, they're very very smart very very, oh, smart. very smart too smart yeah is there anything that you're not good at oh god um, loads of things um, <laughs> what am i i'm trying to think of something um what am i not good at see you can't think my, of anything <laughs> my partner would probably have a very very long list um i'm not very good at taking cups down from my office to the kitchen so Quite often on my desk, I'll have sort of two cups with a tea bag in, um, and then my partner will come and moan at me, and I'll take them downstairs. So you, you didn't go for the cup, the one cup rule over lockdown? Um, no, no. I mean, we we might have done on a number of occasions, and then just forgotten about it. Yeah, I saw um, quite an interesting little sketch somewhere on YouTube where the dad's lecturing the whole family, and so there's one 
there's the one cup policy <laughs> and the mum's sort of saying but what about wine <laughs> can't drink wine from a cup <laughs> so, um, it was a bit silly yeah. mm. if you could switch lives with someone for a day mm. who would you choose oh i would can i do am i allowed to talk about politics yeah i would switch with <laughs> boris johnson and resign <laughs> yes but yes what is, no, going, um, <laughs> what is going on? I mean, you sort of, it's like the UK starts putting their masks back on and then they they put them on then they take them off and they put them on then take them off. I don't, I don't understand. I, I'm not sure anybody understands, to be quite honest with you. Um, I think a lot of people are just keeping the same, you know, following the same rules that they've followed the whole way through. So I'm still wearing a mask more or less every, you know, everywhere outside. So, mm -hmm. yeah. But um, in terms of a serious answer to that, if I could switch with anyone, um, I'd love to be properly bilingual. Um, so maybe somebody who, you know, who, who speaks two languages perfectly. Um, mm. That would be interesting. Um, okay. Yeah, no, I've got a, um, that's a thought for a future program. I, have, I know quite a lot of bilingual people. Mm. Um, and... It's interesting that you say properly bilingual because mm. when you meet bilingual people, there's they're all different. And I, mm. I watch quite a lot of kids growing up here, and they they all do different things and they all um, they learn languages differently. Mm. You have one who speaks English with an Italian accent, and then one that speaks Italian with an English accent, and you know, the, the variety. I mean, mm. it, that, that's a whole other area of DI to look at. <laughs> is, totally. I suppose for me, the pro properly kind of denotes being able to switch between two languages seamlessly, which I've never attained. But I can mm. see, like, my granny, so my granny's Finnish, and she's, I mean, her English is better than mine. And she switches between, you know, she can switch between the two without thinking and other languages too. And it's just, it's always been amazing to me. Mm. You know? Do you speak Finnish then? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I can speak about about three. I know about three words, um, but yeah. Aside from that, no. Fascinating, fascinating. <laughs> okay, what is your favourite word? Oh, again, you should answer. You should answer the first one that comes into your head. Um, I'm drawing a complete blank. That's all right. The word care is emerging. Care. So I will go with care. But I can't say I have a particularly particular um, word jumping out. What about you? Me? Um, I don't know. I, I sort of switch from day to day. Yeah. Um, I learned a really nice word the other day was Chinook. Okay. I think it's Canadian. Mm. And it's when there's a, um, a sort of warm break in the middle of winter. Oh, that's I, nice. just, I just like the sound of it. But mm. Maybe someone can correct me if I've learnt it incorrectly. Um, it just seems, and it's also sort of, you know, when the sun does come out, even though it's freezing, um, you do mm. genuinely feel better. Mm. I mean, I've, I've got, got a, finish. a much shorter winter than you, so. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I don't know, I mean, Canada is extraordinarily cold. Um, mm. Mm. Most definitely. Um, I have got a Finnish one um, for the word, which is sisu, which means kind of um, hardiness and the ability to get through really adverse circumstances. Um, I think it's and it nice. sounds so sweet. Yeah, sisu, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem to be anything hard about it. No, no I suppose not, yeah. Lovely, lovely. Mm. Okay, Lottie, just to, um, to remind our listeners about your group is... Okay. Reality. Yep, that's right. This reflecting mm. reality Facebook group. So if you Google that, um, and there are some membership questions and some rules, but if you answer those, I will admit you. Great. Um, thank you so much for your time this morning, and thank you so much for your tips. And um, as Harry Harry said before, things are changing, but mm. um, they it's happening slowly. Yeah. Um, I think it's better that there is some change than none. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I'm so glad that you are such an important part of this and you have oh. so much incredible information to share with us. And um, mm -hmm. 
it's really great to have you here and I hope you come back um, when you've got some more to, to share with us. I hope to see you again on the show. Oh, thank you very much for having me. Have a great morning and I will see everyone again. I'll see. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll speak to everyone next week. Um, next week I've got Paul Braddock joining the show. He is um, teaching English British Council and we'll be listening to um, him and the incredible product uh, products, uh, projects and materials that for a lot of ELT teachers are freely accessible to you. Um, so thanks everyone for joining me and I will see you at the same time next week. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.